In episode 6.2 of Unshuffled, we discuss the second album from Power Trip, 2017's Nightmare Logic. But first, here's Seven Planets. Matholomew. <laughs> uh, welcome to you and welcome to all our listeners all around the world, our growing audience, the revolution, the unshuffled revolution. You're, uh, you're a big part of it, listeners, and thank you for joining us once again. Now, Scott, we enjoyed the last album from our current band, Power Trip, Texas Thrashers from the 2010s. But we had a very big question mark or sort of caveat hanging over the last album, and that was the production. So we, we both agreed, brilliant riffs, super metal album, and some great songs on it. But that production left us with a bit of a sour taste. So tell me, when you put this one on, what were your first thoughts on hearing the production in particular on today's album, which is called Nightmare Logic? I think the drums came through more clearly. And I think that was part of the frustration for me listening to the last one is I felt like the drums were just muddy deep in the mire of the mix. Um, and the vocals, it, I, it sounded like he was, you know, being recorded from a different room. And I feel like that sort of, the, at least the mixing has brought everything together more clearly. Uh, there's still that intentional muddiness that every now and then like the guitar solo will just kind of break out of, which I guess, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess that's what they were going for. That's what they wanted. Yeah. I, look, I first, when I first put this on, I was immediately much happier with the production. And again, it was the drums for me that made me happier and, and sort of let me down on the last album. I don't mind the re the reverb on the vocals so much. That seems to have dialed down a little bit. But for me, I just wanted to hear those drums. And you could hear it. The kick drum came through much stronger straight from the opening track. And also the cymbals. I mean, we didn't talk about the cymbals much, but they got lost last album too. But now you can hear much more detail in the cymbal work on this album. So I was happy from the start. But we better introduce the album. So that's your job. So tell us all about the album we're doing, and then uh, we'll get into the track by track on this one. So this is Nightmare Logic, which is going to, as of now is the final album from from Power Trip, and I'm sure we're going to have to. I mean, at some point we're going to have to get into that. But it was released on February 24th, 2017, three and a half years after the first album, which seems like a long time for a new band, right? I mean, the, the first album and then three and a half years between the first album and the second album. So I'm curious about what happened there. And it might have just been touring, to be honest. Yeah. Well, um, the first album was a long time after they'd formed. Like, they'd been around a long time before their first full length. So, yeah, yeah. They, they didn't rush to get that one out either. Uh, producer Arthur Risk, same, same as Manifest Decimation, uh, recorded at Creep Records in Philadelphia and the Echo Lab in Argyle, which I think is similar. The nope, 
Nope. They were both recorded in the same city, different different studios. The lineup has not changed. Uh, Riley Gale vocals, Blake Ibanez on lead guitars, Nick Stewart rhythm guitars, Chris Wetzel on bass, Chris Ulsh on drums. Although we do, we are going to get a little bit of Chris Ulsh on lead guitar. And so, yeah. And then even the artwork is uh, Paolo Girardi. Yeah, the madman. The madman himself. <laughs> so I guess if, yeah. if, if it ain't broke, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, there's a lot of common elements between this and the last one. Yeah, including the producer, but some changes, as we said, to the production itself. Uh, we don't get our um, the, the previous, um, what was her name? The one who worked with Abrams. Oh, um, on... Samantha Muljat, no. Yeah, we don't get her input on the cover. We do get the Madman's cover artwork, which is, wow, it's a, I guess a haunting image. What are your thoughts on the artwork? It, it is. It's, I, I struggled, and I don't know if it was my old man eyes or what, but I struggled to make sense of the last album cover. This one, I, I was able to at least, I got I, I just looking at it, I, I don't know. I felt that, yes, it's absolutely haunting, but I was able to make more sense of it. I feel like I was better, I was able to more appreciate this album cover than the last one. Yeah, I mean, I would describe it as a kind of dystopian scene or, a, you know, like the ashes of an empire, the crumbling buildings with a skull-type thing lying in the in the middle of it all. Interesting palette, very much pastels and, yeah, I mean, very dark, but not blacks and reds. It's sort of greys and, and pinks and, and sort of blues. Oh, see, that's interesting. I think that it's interesting that you said, I because originally I had not thought about sort of the the dystopian decimated city for whatever. I my view was like an overgrown cemetery. Oh, yeah, just kind of an okay. overgrown cemetery on a misty, rainy day, and then there's like that sort of superimposed skull or face coming out of the middle of it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that too. I don't know, maybe a mix of both. And the, the CD comes with, so we get a nice jewel case. Uh, so you get the front cover. I'll, I'll show you, Scott. You can, I'll hold it up for you. So you get the front cover on a little printout, and then you get a big fold-out flyer with the lyrics printed on one side, and on the other side is a kind of collage of uh, stylized pictures of the band in action. You know, there's a picture of a set list and various band members on stage and some concert posters and quite a cool, you know, little keepsake when you when you buy the hard uh, the, hmm. the hard copy, the physical media, which we always recommend if you can. If you haven't, of course, listened to this album yet, our recommendation is that you go and do that now. And if you don't want to buy the physical media, that's media that's okay. Uh, you should at least give it a listen through once or twice. It's not a long album. It won't take you long. Give it, you know, it's sort of 30, just over 30 minutes. So whack it on Spotify or however you stream your albums. And uh, if you haven't done so, and then come back to us and have a listen because you will then be bringing your impressions to share in our conversation here. And, you know, you can agree or disagree, but you're not having us dictate what we think to you. So that's always our recommendation. Go and have a listen to this now. Pause it and come back to us. We'll still be here. And, uh, but you'll have you'll be bringing some prior knowledge to, to this conversation. So go go off, listener. If you have already listened, 
welcome. And uh, we're about to get into the track by track of Nightmare Logic. And I think, Scott, I'm going to hand the honours to you. With this first track, I think the focus of what I... This is kind of, we already started talking about this, and most of the notes that I've written are around the fact of what we just talked about, about how the production just felt better, different, um, cleaner in a way. And so I'm sort of kind of just focused on how it starts. We still have, as with the last album, where that opening track has this sort of rumbling, ominous kind of roll. There's thunder mixed in with sort of that distortion wall that's sort of building up. If you remember, the last album started with this distortion wall. This one's kind of sort of rolling in from the distance, right? And I feel like it's still distorted feedback. But the whole thing is, is that it, as it, as it does, does come in, it's it's clearer. There's a clearer sound to it than what was on the last album. It still does not lose that thrashy feel. And I'm hesitant. And I've read a few interviews. It's not, and they're very clear that it's not throwback. And so I want to be careful to say that they're not trying to throw back. Um, but there is sort of this kind of, there's a feel on a lot of this album that made me think of kind of just some mid eighties exodus. And just the kind of the recording of some of those albums. And this this song gives that feel to me as well. And, and it, it is totally, I mean, we, we come in and here's that thrashy feel. But I was really what I wanted to hear when I was listening to this was just for the sound, what was being captured. And I think that you hear a little bit of the studio magic just in, in, in the mixing and the production, but it also still has that kind of 80s thrash feel to it. The intro noise, to me, it brought to mind the Terminator. You remember the start? of the Terminator, the original Terminator film where there, there's a sort of tank rolling over these skulls in, in Los Angeles in the future. I think it's 2029 or something. It, maybe they won't be too far off with their prediction the way things are going. Hmm. Um, but, you know, there's a robot war and it's sort of the ashes of nuclear war and it, it's very nightmarish and dystopian. And the sound effects throughout the Terminator was similar to a lot of the sound effects I heard on this album at various times. So there was a big Terminator feel for me in, in some of those noises between tracks and to open and close the album. The production, yes, it was the first thing that stood out to me too. And I was just so glad to hear a nice punchy kick drum and, and some audible, discernible cymbal work. So I thought the drums sounded great on this album. Musically, this for opening song, Soul Sacrifice, reminded me very much of Obituary. I don't know if you picked up on that, but the, there's a riff on this that sounds very similar to one of the songs of uh, Cause of Death by o Obituary. Not just the riff, though, but also the clang of that ride cymbal and the sort of howly sound in the guitar solos really reminded me of... of um, obituary and, and you know they were another Tampa Scott Burns Morris Sound band and I had a few Morris Sound vibes off the last album and, and you know this brought that whole era back to me very much so a very a bit of a slower riff for them it was quite a mid-tempo sort of ponderous opening riff you know slow fizz, slow riff Fast bit, slow riff is the structure here. So A, B, A. I really like the pick slide that takes us back to the second slower bit. So the, the way they take us from the fast bit back to that opening riff is very satisfying. 
Yeah, look, I enjoyed the song. It was, you know, I, I love obituaries, so I was happy to be reminded of them. And and I and the production was so good that I enjoyed it. And I do tend to like a slow, stompy riff, as you know. So this one ticked that box for me. The lyrics, I didn't think were overly interesting. Something about revenge or something like that. But musically, I, I enjoyed it. And it did bring to mind one of my favourite bands. So I was happy with that. Bit of a surprise. I hadn't picked up any obituary on their previous album. So, And this was the last time, really, I had that feel on this album. The second track is called Executioner's Tax. It's the biggest hit off this album. It's the one they made a film clip for. It's one they played at every live show. Very accessible song, a big, swinging, catchy riff, similar to Crossbreaker off the previous album in that way. This would be a huge live song. The film clip we'll link to in the show notes has shots of video footage of war and death and destruction. And lyrically, I think, that's what I got from it. I've, I've read different interpretations of the lyrics here. To me, it's a, a dance macabre, a sort of celebration or a almost mocking of, of death, and um, which at the time I probably wouldn't have thought much on. But given that Riley Gale has since died, you know, the lyrics now seem more, more meaningful, more poignant than they, they may have at the time. Um, my favourite bit in this song, I love the thundering drums at the end. Again, a lot of my highlights on this are drums because it's just so nice to hear them. I also love Riley Gale's vocal performance and there's, in the last chorus, um, on the lyric sheet it says swing of the world, but he sort of says swing of the wow. And he does a <laughs> great little, he, he does some really nice little vocal touches like that throughout this album. Very entertaining vocal performance on this song and this album overall. So... Yeah, it doesn't change much. It's just that really catchy riff all the way through and, and some, some great performances from the band members. Enjoyed the song. You can see why it was. This would be huge live. Yeah, this was actually the song that um, where I first started, I was like, okay, okay, now the drums are clearly coming through more. We're going to hear more drum work on this one than we had before. But uh, the, the riff is, is, is contagious. The, the chorus is contagious sort of the backing vocals uh the reverb is dialed down a bit uh on this and this was the song where i kept coming back to this and thinking that everything i've read suggests that this band was just phenomenal to see live right that was that was when you captured this band and their true element was live and and i started thinking about it and i was wondering like i feel like so sometimes when you listen to an album and you kind of have that sort of that, that emotional, I don't know how to describe it, but there's kind of that emotional outlet that, that comes out through listening to, to a band. And sometimes you feel like it, it should be there, but it's, it's, not, it's, not quite, it's not quite happening. And I feel like with that, that's the feeling I got listening to this album, that it was just, I, I got the sense that if you saw them live, if you were part of the whole thing, and even in the footage that you see, and I think there's, um, there's a recording of live recording of this song where it's almost like you can see Riley Gale almost even orchestrating or, or, or directing the audience, right? Even the way that they're kind of moving and sort of this whole, you get this sense that there was sort of this, this feeling that came over that overcame the whole, right? And, and I get the sense with this song and, but I don't feel like, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like the emotional release comes 
through in the recording in the way that it does in sort of the live versions that I'm listening to or that I heard that that I listened to while I was kind of looking back and forth. And I felt that with this song that it's almost like the, the recording that is on this album was somewhat muted, if that makes sense, mm. to, to what it, it, it could have been or what I had heard sort of in some of the live recordings. Mm. Which uh, then leads us straight into Firing Squad. Um, and, and from that, we kind of, you know, he comes up with this punishing double bass. Uh, and the drums in it, the constant assault of the drums start to finish sort of reminded me of early Gojira. Something kind of maybe off their first album. Remember we were talking in early Gojira where we were like, all right, all right, take a breath. Um, <laughs> and it was after, but it was like after he'd done this for like two albums straight. Uh, here we we get that from, and, and it was, and I was so excited to hear it again and it was just sort of like this wall of drums in the first part but then it does tone down and and there are there are tempo shifts that happen within the song and the and the drums do appropriately appropriately match those but but i did enjoy the kind of that wall of of just rhythm and that just comes out at you from the beginning hmm. yeah it's certainly a manic song probably the most manic song from the two albums really fast i, I do like that chuggy bit in the middle and the way that Riley Gale brings it in with an all right, like, um, hmm. you know, kill them all era, you know, reminded me of, of Hetfield around then. The riff actually reminded me of Morbid Angel. So again, another death metal influence. So it's not just thrash, but I think there's a little bit of death metal touching at times on this album. They did play this live. I mean, incredibly, it would be, it, it sounds so difficult to play, but uh, it's just so fast. And some great solos to finish. Really great metal song, and and does a lot very quickly. This song, it's uh, very technically difficult to play. I would imagine. As I turn my page, we are already up to track four. It's the title track, and the end of side A. There's eight songs on this album, as there was on the first album. So four on side A, four on side B. The fourth song is called Nightmare Logic. The title track. This one, again, brought to mind Metallica. For me, This one, the song here was Disposable Heroes. The, the riff in this was, uh, you know, that sort of dig 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 you know, I, I can't even think of the riff, but very similar to that one-note gallopy disposable riff, the disposable hero riff. Um, a real chugger of a song, sort of industrial mechanical feel to the, to the riff. Great speed and precision in that. Look, I, I'm not a guitarist, but, you know, to be able to play those notes quickly and and get those rhythms spot on every time, I think it, there's a real art to that. Even if you're not moving the notes around, just get those rhythms down with such precision was really impressive. And there's also some sort of howling guitars throughout the song, not just the solos, but these cool howly guitar sounds that are great. If I had to pick a theme, I, I think there's slightly different themes on side A of this album compared to side B. Side A, I would summarise the theme as the world is screwed, you know, like we're stuffed. This one talks about, you know, I, I guess we're starting to hear a little bit about revolution on this on this song and, and about the downtrodden rising up against their oppressors. So, you know, they talk about their demise, you know, they're talking about the people who run the world. This is, you know, their spite for us is their demise. And then uh, another little whack <laughs> to... To, to finish off that that bit but uh yeah another interesting song lyrically but um i enjoyed it a real sort of chugging mechanical rhythmic song and uh, i enjoyed it very much 
it's interesting what you said about the lyrics because I'll, I'll get into that more later where I do I agree where I think that the, there is a lyrical shift from side A to side B and I don't know if that was intentional or if that was just the way that I heard it uh, there is more of a, a, a like a, hip, a theme of I don't know maybe even hypocrisy on side B that I think I picked up on more than I heard on side A but with regards to this song uh, I, I think if, if you're going to take a shot on anything I say, I'm realizing now as I'm looking back through my notes, it's wall of noise because I'm hearing <laughs> it again. And and it's this the this starts again with this wall of noise. And the guitar, I assume Ibanez, is sort of sliding up and down the neck, almost just kind of cutting through this 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 noise, right? That's that's kind of what comes through, and that's what you hear clearer with more precision. And then it gives into that driving rhythm, which I had also marked disposable heroes as well. And there's just sort of that driving rhythm of the song that kind of just takes it through. Um, but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed this song, which takes us then into waiting around to die. This is the song I think that, and I keep talking about the drums, but this is the song we had referred to. You had referred to earlier with the cymbals. And I, I thought they really came out in the song. This is where the sound of the cymbals kind of really stick out. Um, you can hear that he lays on the ride. You hear him use the splash, right? This is where the symbols really kind of comes out. And, uh, and we get a good, we, we get a good go, right? And then, but um, here he does it as the tempo slows down, as opposed to, to doing it and then having everything sort of beef up. Here, Riley Gale gives us that go as the kind of everything slows down for the sort of that last minute of the song. Plus... Yeah. This one starts with the fun, and I didn't. I had not even thought about the Terminator connection, and I'm one now. I'm wondering because this one starts with those sort of kind of weird robot noises. Yeah, and yeah. I was not the last album. We sort of were able to go back and track through sort of some movie kind of cuts and whatnot that were put in there, and I, I didn't do that with this album. I don't know where the 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 cuts are coming from. Yeah, I don't know where the sample at the end of this comes from. The the fools, like fools, we reject the truth. What you know, whatever she says there at the end, I, I, that may be a sort of one they generated themselves. I suspect. I don't know if that's mm. come from a, a film or anything. Um, but yeah, certainly got those Terminator vibes again. You know, we're opening side B here with some more of those James Cameron <laughs> style sound effects. Yeah, I agree. The drums make all the difference. Um, so I enjoyed this and um, enjoyed this one too. I, look, I enjoyed pretty much every song on, on this album, so I'll, I'll, that, that'll be my shot. I enjoyed this was my, you know, that'll be my shot. Uh, to me, this is Riley Gale grabbing the listener by the collar and, and shaking them, you know, wake up. Wake, we've told you and you should know that the world is in serious trouble and you've got to do something about it. And, and that, that to me is the theme on side B, like take action. It's a call to action. You've got to fight to be free. So, it, you know, Riley Gale, his message, uh, well, I might save his message for the end, but it, certainly he, he wants people to take action, to, to change things and not to just accept the status quo. And uh, it comes through very much in the lyrics here. I, the only, my only, complaint with this would be that sample at the end i'm not a big fan of that and i tended to skip that uh, you know by the time i got to my 10th plus listen i was starting to just skip to the next track and, and i found that a little grating at the end that that sample the next one's called ruination a great opening a really uh lovely opening riff here mid-tempo again so no coincidence there it, it does have a, a faster section after that a, 
not quite as fast as Firing Squad, a little more controlled. Very quick song, only three minutes, but still excellent. So we're up to track six and track seven here. This is normally, and we've discussed this on albums in the past, this is normally where bands might try and hide one. <laughs> if, they were, if they had a song or two to just sort of hide away, this might be where they do it. But I don't get that feeling here. This is still a very strong song. Lyrically very interesting. I love the, I love the line, in our darkest hour, we bailed. I love you. I just think that's a great, great line. And I also, one of the lyrics is, we have no mouths and we must scream, which is a reference, I think, to a dystopian short story, a science fiction story by Harlan Allison, which, well, I'll link to the Wikipedia page for that. Well worth a read. And, it, you know, you know it's sort of post-apocalyptic again, so it fits in with that Terminator vibe on, on the rest of the album. So we know that Riley Gale was very well-read and drew on a lot of his reading when he was writing his lyrics. So I suspect that may have been an influence in this song and more generally on this album, that dystopian, nightmarish feel. So this is this is the moment in the album where I started, and I, I don't know. I have no idea where their political leanings are. I, I don't know about any of that. But I do know that they're from Texas. I do know that when this album would have been written was when things in the U.S. were sort of undergoing a, a change in, in the political climate. And <laughs> to put it mildly, I, it's and Texas was really kind of at the forefront of that, right? Yeah. Um, and and I, I can see where if you were more liberally minded, which I suspect just from some of the things that I've read about this band, it was a bit of a shock to kind of watch where this was going. And 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 maybe I'm just sort of relaying my own thoughts of what was happening politically and globally at that point in time especially kind of with the American government system. But um, this idea of, I, I really started this album, This the next three songs really started to make me think that his influences were sort of political and of the moment. And the idea that we tried, we failed, uh, this playing on ruination, ruination, this ruined nation. And, and then, you know, watching, and then the reference, you, the whole, watching the whole world burn, we have no mouths and we must scream. And so I started to kind of get a political feel from the last sort of three tracks. And, and I kind of talked about this on the last album, too, where there were those elements at play there. And if we look at thrash of when it, you know, in the early 80s, it, it was also there was a direct influence of what was happening politically. Right. And so that was kind of a response to that. And I'm seeing elements of that here, too, especially, as I said, kind of in these last three tracks. The opening has a bit of a kind of a, that live performance again, a bit of a, you know, sort of hands in the air kind of dun, 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 right. Kind of even sort of not for whom the bell tolls. I don't know why that went into my head, but no, just I, kind of, same, I, I, I thought for whom the bell tolls too, in that mid tempo part opening. Yeah, um, sure. And, and in the, the song feels quick and abrupt. I, I don't know that it is. I went back and listened to it multiple times trying to think, why do I think this? And I think it's because, there's multiple parts in the song and that intro is just so long that it makes the song feel, I mean, it is only three minutes and 11 seconds, so I guess it is quick, but it feels mm -hmm. kind of abrupt and the, the parts don't really have our time to play out, but mm -hmm. everything moves so quickly. And I think that that's probably, I mean, clearly that's intentional, mm -hmm. uh, which, which takes us into, if not us, then who uh, track seven. 
And um, the reverb, reverb's brought back on the backing vocals of this one. So we got a little bit of that, which was fine. Not quite as abused as it was on the first album. Um, this is the one, I think this is the song where I, as I was listening to it, where I felt like this sort of had that old school kind of Exodus feel to it. I, I like the middle bit of the song where the guitar is just sort of, you know, furiously strumming away to rests and breaks within the rhythm. There was kind of the way that those two juxtapose each other, the way that the, the, the rhythm's moving and then the, 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 the guitar. And Chris Ulsh, who the drummer, plays lead guitar on this song. I'm not sure what to do with that information. I'm not sure if he's the only lead. I suppose there's they're going back and forth, Blake Ibanez and, and uh, Chris Ulsh, or maybe Chris Ulsh just gets one spot. I don't really know what that means to say that he also plays lead on the song. It's quite a catchy song. Uh, the last minute and a half, it, it's that outro where you've got the music gradually being overtaken by the sound effects. That reminded me of Metal Militia. So another, uh, you know, the way that Metal Militia ends off Kill Em All, where the marching slowly overtakes the music, it kind of reminded me of that technique. Really enjoyed the song. Very rousing song, this one. This is actually my favourite song off the album. I haven't heard which one is your favourite on the album it was, yet. It was this one, actually. I meant to say that. Oh, okay, good. Um, not just for the, the music, but the lyrics to me... I think this now apparently these lyrics reference a civil rights activist. I couldn't find the quote or the speech, but it's mentioned in the LA Times article, uh, which we'll link to in in the show notes. I think there's there's a great message in this song. This is one that I'd like you know my students at school to hear and the people of our generation. Like everyone needs to hear. If not us, then who? Like. Such a great message and a call to action. Who's going to fix this? If you want to change things, you have to take action. I think that's, if I'm going to take anything out of what Riley Gale has to say or had to say, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. But I think that's the message he gave to the world. And I think it's a great message to leave as your legacy. Yeah, I really like the song and I really like the message. So well done. Riley Gale for writing Who's this to the world. John Lewis was the civil rights leader. If not us, Enjoy then it. who? If not now, then when? There you go. Um, great message. The, uh, the last song on the album is called Crucifixation. And here's where I get to use the word portmanteau. This is uh, a portmanteau is two words kind of smooshed together. And they're very much in vogue at the moment. We had things like uh, Brexit. Uh, was it was an example? Uh, quarantinis was something that people were doing before everyone got bored with talking to their friends on Zoom. Maybe in lockdown, the first time that we had lockdowns, I think everyone was a bit over them by the end. Musically, very similar to the rest. I mean, there's not a whole lot of musical variation on this, so it, you know, there's not much we can say about the music. I really like the solos in this. I, it's got some Terminator sounds again to finish off, to sort of bookend the album. A nice fitting way to finish, you know, what I thought was a very fun album. And I'll, get, I'll summarise my thoughts in a moment. But uh, enjoyed this as a way to finish. Your thoughts on Crucifixation? This is the, well, I mean, it's billed as the longest track on the album. But again, it sort of takes us out. I read somewhere that the producer, Arthur Rizik, Rizk, Rizk, uh, he yeah. plays lead on this track. There and so, well, so wait, what did, 
I'm, I'm assuming that it's not that Blake Ibanez didn't. I mean, I'm assuming he's there, right? They're just sort of sharing the solo responsibilities there. Uh, again, with this song, again, I, I, I focused on the lyrics. I don't know what the song is about. I can only imagine that it's sort of, again, delving into what was happening with the political landscape at the time, especially in Texas. If you look at the 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 word territorial pissing contest, right? This is all possibly redistricting. That was really kind of happening in a play there. Atrophy of morality, altering the conscious to see what fits, making carnage of culture for your own benefit, delusions spreading like a weed. I just, this would have been written around the time where Donald Trump had been insulting Ted Cruz's family and then all of a sudden takes power and Ted Cruz comes out of nowhere and just starts fawning over Trump. I, hmm. I'm, I am getting, I, I just, I feel like that's, I don't know. I'm picking that up yeah. from here. I don't know if it's intended. I don't know if it's there or not, but, but it was definitely, there's definitely hypocrisy and leadership on display uh, mm. in, in, in Texas at this time. And, and I feel like it's coming through in the lyrics. Pure American hypocrisy is the lyric. Um, unfortunately, it's not just American where we see political hypocrisy, but uh, yeah, that was certainly a lot of anger in, in, and I think it is a political song. I think it's a political band. Hmm. Agreed. And uh, well, let's hear about your overall thoughts on the album. I'm detecting some hesitancy in, in sort of ranking this up there with the best we've listened to. Yeah, I, and I feel bad. I, I, I think the thing is, is that it's when... This is a band that, and and you can talk about this because you you found this. This is a band that I really, really re wish I had been able to see live. Mm. And I feel like there was, there's just sort of this emotional, and I think I kind of already alluded to it. There was sort of an emotional output that, from what I gather, and and have seen on YouTube, that is sort of the music kind of releases when you see it live. That I just I felt like I wanted to feel it when I was listening to it, and and I wasn't. There, um, I don't know. I it it. I, I don't. I, I like the album. I, I like the album. I'm not trying to say that I didn't, but I do feel like this is one of those bands that I I don't know how much I'm going to come back to listening to them on my own. This isn't. I don't know that how much how much the album sort of fits into free time listening for me. I but I feel like the live experience of this band with with Riley Gale at the helm because I feel like he seems from what I can tell that is part of an orchestrator of that. And, and tragically that is an opportunity I will, I will never have as, um, as Riley Gale did pass from an accidental overdose on August 24th of 2020. And so th th that, that's, that's my thought on the album. I, I, I do, I do like this one better than, than the other one. Um, I feel like this is sort of a situation where it was leading up to this album. I felt, I was really kind of hyped up with what I was going to hear based on sort of what I'd been reading. And, and I kind of, as I was listening to it, part of me was left thinking, Oh wait, it was the live experience that, mm. that was when you got the real sense of who power trip was. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I agree that it's, it's a shame we never got to see them live. They did play in Jakarta when we were living there, but uh, we, we missed them at the time. Uh, it was on Valentine's Day, actually. So, you know, could have we could have taken our wives to see them. I'm sure they would have loved it. <laughs> to me, look, I really did enjoy this album and the production allowed me to enjoy it more than the first one, Manifest Decimation. I'd love to hear that, that first one 
remastered, re-engineered in the using the same techniques they used on this one. I think that was an also missed opportunity. There's no fat on this album. It's very lean. All the songs are, you know, there's eight songs, four on side A, four on side B. I, I like that, actually. A very traditional structure to this album. They're all around the four-minute mark. There's no long song. There's no instrumental. There's certainly no ballad. You know, there's no bass solo, no... I wouldn't have minded something like that at some point. I suspect I may have started to introduce some some of those elements had they had Riley Gale still been with them and they were still releasing new music. I, I think it would have done well to break the album up with a little just something to vary it, like an Orion or a, a you know the equivalent of that. I'm sure they've got it in them. Having said that, this is just like it's just so damn metal that I, I quite enjoy just listening to a pure heavy metal album and just rocking out for a few weeks with it and um, I, I had a lot of fun with it if this album had a smell and there are people that have synesthesia and you know they hear and smell they interpret music as vision or smell to me this has a smell this album it smells like sweat you know like cheap booze and uh, and vomit <laughs> like a or like a teenage teenager's bedroom or something you know like it, it's it's a very young testosterone macho album which i kind of enjoyed because it took me back to being young again as did the first one if i had any hesitancy about why i may not come back to it quite so much it's just like do i want that smell in my life as a sort of, you know, at this stage as a, I enjoyed it for a few weeks and I guess it's fun now and then, but, um, you know, I'd prefer my albums these days maybe to smell like, I don't know, the ocean or something rather than, uh, you know, sweat and sweat and booze. But I, I still had a good time with it. Don't, don't get me wrong. And I, and I loved the message I, that what I'll take away from this more than anything is just that, that call to action that that I think still, you know, it's so important to hear that and to be reminded of it, not to just accept things, but to to do things. It's an important message for for everyone. So, yeah, I did enjoy it. If this album had a smell, how is that not the name of our podcast? <laughs> how did we miss that? Well, we might have to have a new that's segment at, least at the got, end of every That's album. at least got to be a new category. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll pop it on the... We'll pop it on the running sheet for a. We'll have, make that a regular segment now. Um, I don't know if you agree if the, about the smell of this. I had never thought about it, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it smells like a mosh pit. Yeah, it sure does. Okay, so with the track by track done, we mustn't forget the band Brownlow. That's the. Uh, that's what all our listeners are waiting for. The band Brownlow. It's a very prestigious part of the podcast where we recognize the best individual performances from each album. So with that said, Scott, have you got yours ready? We give three votes for the best performance, two for the second best and one for the third best. So give us your, uh, give us your votes, please, Scott. 
So my three votes, I think I'm going, they're going to have to go. My one vote is where I'm going to start with this. Yeah. Third best. My third best. Uh, my one vote's going to, uh, I'm going to go ahead and go Blake, Blake Ibanez again. Um, I, I don't know if he's doing a little bit. He's lessening his load a little bit by bringing in some extra elite guitar players there or not. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what's happening. I'm not going to ask questions. But when the guitar solos do come through, I, I do appreciate them. And so he'll get my one vote. Two votes goes to Chris Ulsh, drummer. Uh, he comes through. He breaks through loud and clear in this one. And he, he does all the things I wanted him to do in the last one. He got my three votes in the last one, but I can't give him the three votes in the last one. And this one, my three votes have got to go to Riley Gale uh, for multiple reasons. There's the, the, the vocal inflections. Um, that he kind of just does here and there on to kind of accentuate and punch up what he's saying. Um, but also the lyrics. I think that the lyrics are, are, are very well done. And, you know, I'm not going to pretend that the fact that this is his last album didn't sort of tug at me a little bit as well. But it's, it's on the merit of the uh, of kind of what he does to kind of punch up his vocals as well as um, as well as the lyrics. All right. My turn. Uh, third best, so the one vote I'm going to give to Riley Gale. And again, um, look, he's not, I wouldn't call him a great vocalist, but he delivers, or he delivered his vocals with passion. And you're right about the lyrics. They're a big part of this band and the message that the band gives. So one for Riley. I'll give two to Chris Ulshia. I was just so happy to hear him coming through in this mix and and he is an excellent drummer i think and um yeah it was just nice to be able to hear it uh which gonna which leaves my best on ground my three votes to go to blake ibanez who to me is the star of this band he's the sort of lead musical writer this is a guitar showcase this band just a riff Rifferama, and I think he's the sort of central part of delivering that just you know assault to the ears that comes from from the guitar section. So three votes again, as he got on the debut album to Blake Ibanez from me. So this does not happen often. In mm. fact, I think this only happened once before, where mm. the the now the the final it's four four. Everybody got equal vote. Nobody won. Oh. <laughs> there was no no winner of this of this band Brownlow. Everybody kind of just shook out. This happened once before too, where it was just an even four 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 split. Um, but okay. we do have a winner of our power trip band Brownlow overall. I know that this is what keeps them coming. The listeners coming back. Uh, yeah, and and, and the win the winner is Blake Abanez. Ivan S. Oh, nice. Okay, thanks to me. I just kept giving him votes, and um, well. Let's hope there's another album at some point in the future. Uh, now, hopefully, there is another interview with the band. It sounds like they are going to hopefully push on. Um, I mean, Riley Gale was clearly a, a, a huge creative driver of this band. He wrote the lyrics. He was the front man, the sort of charismatic interviewee. Uh, but the songs were all written and arranged by Blake Ibanez and Chris Ulsh. So the music... They can still write the music. So I know there's not going to be... I, I guess the hard thing for the band is how do you replace Riley Gale 
do you even try and replace him or do you just go for something different? I think they've got such a name for themselves in metal circles now that that would not be a difficult spot to fill and you'd be able to get someone talented. It's just a matter of who's going to mesh with the band and carry on that the message and the legacy of Riley Gale and do his memory justice as the front man of Power Trip. And that's that's always the the discussion, isn't it? Whether it's, you know, Van Halen, Iron Maiden, ACDC, the idea that are you supposed to change the name? But branding is branding is so much such an important part of the game and getting a band out there and 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 to just like they've worked so hard to to make this name something known and 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 so yeah i i don't know i i've been looking i i so i've been online trying to find any indication trying to find is there are they in the studio are they working with and i really i can't find anything later than march 12th of this year they were Hmm. up for a grammy nomination i think for um for executioner's tax actually i think that they 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 remastered that or something and that was up for a grammy nomination and so the 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 interviews that i've read with them are primarily about that and just sort of the loss and kind of how they're coping nothing really about sort of what's what's next but um, there was something from mxdwn.com, but again, March 12th, that did state that the band has plans to continue. That's all. I can't yep. find anything more beyond that. Okay, good. Well, let's hope so. And when they do, we'll be here to, to listen and, and uh, chat about it. Yes, absolutely. But for now, that's the end of our time with this band, which uh, has been fun, but... Um, you know, we've got Christmas coming up here. It's almost Christmas and we've got a new band for the festive season. So we're going to have a pretty reckless Christmas this year. All right. So I cheated and I told you this. I confess this. Our next band is the Pretty Reckless. And the only reason I'm, I'm going to bring this up again, because uh, <laughs> this album smells like um, <laughs> the first track, the very opening thing you're going to hear on the first track. So I cheated a little bit and I just listened to a bit of the first track as I, as I was walking to a convini to grab lunch. And the opening of the first track was what sounds like her flipping open a Zippo and lighting a cigarette. Ah, which is what's on the cover is a, is a young uh, kid holding a Zippo. I think it's a young kid. Is it? Are they holding a Zippo? I haven't, I haven't yep. done that deep of a dive yet, but, but yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead. Ah, you're right. The Zippo, they're wearing a leather jacket and the Zippo's lit. Um, mm. So I'm going to go ahead and already say this album smells like cigarettes. All right. I Light me up. All right. So That's all I got. Let's hope it lights up our Christmas uh, and all our listeners around the world. Look, if you're listening around the time of release, then we, we wish you a merry and safe and healthy Christmas as much as can be at the moment. And uh, enjoy that time with your family. And hopefully you've enjoyed your time with Power Trip as we have. And that, that message of Riley Gale stays, stays with you as, it, as I hope it does with us. Uh, don't just accept things, but take action. Hmm. And uh, with that said, Merry Christmas to everyone. And we will speak to you soon. This has been Unshuffled. You're going to, um, there's various ways to contact us, of course. Um, you can email us unshufflepod at gmail. 
You can follow us on Twitter at UnshuffledPod. We have a website with our show notes. We'll pop them up soon, unshuffledpod.com. You'll hear the great band Smalls, uh, well, Seven Planets off the label Smallstone. The track you're going to hear is Vanguard off their brilliant stoner instrumental album called Explorer. Check it out on Bandcamp. You'll find links to that from our webpage and the show notes as well. Thank you, everyone. Have a great Christmas. And thank you, Scott. Merry Christmas to you and your family in the, in Japan there. I think you eat uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Is that what you do in Japan? Christmas oh, lunch? no. Yeah, there's, you're supposed to, but you got to sign up for that back in like April. It's, there's, oh. a, there's a huge waiting list for that. That's a thing. I'm doing it next year. Um, thank you, Matt. Happy, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you all. Happy holidays to all of our listeners. And uh, stay healthy and stay safe, everybody. Bye.